All right. Good morning, church family. Good to see you guys. Happy New Year. Hope you guys had an awesome Christmas break. Happy New Year. How many of you guys are ready for school to start back up? Come on. If you're not raising your hand, you don't have kids. You don't know. <laughs> I love my kids. I love my kids. I love you, buddy. I love you. I also love your school so much. As Patrick mentioned, we are starting our annual week of prayer and fasting. If you're new around here, you're like, what in the world did I get myself into? Like, if you haven't been attending very long, I'm going to break this down. Uh, and I promise it's going to make a lot of sense. It's not as scary or weird as it may sound initially to you. I just felt led by the Lord, though. I just want to pray, if you don't mind. I, I, I know that God wants to speak to us. Uh, he wants to speak this next week during prayer and fasting. He wants to speak to you right now through his word. I also know that one of the biggest things that keeps me from being able to hear from God, to be able to move into things that he has for me, is the past. And it, and it is my own mind, and I know that, but it is also the enemy. Because the enemy is so intimidated at the potential and possibility of God's people moving forward in freedom and in victory into everything that he has for them. And so he would love to continue to remind us of last year so that we can't get everything that God has for us this year. And I know that that's something I can struggle with even in my mind. So I just want to pray for us real quick. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Regardless of how our year looked like this last year, for some of us, we had an amazing year. For some of us, we had a horrible year. And then somewhere in between. But I know you want to do something new. And I know that you have specific words that you want to communicate to us through your word, by your spirit, through the encouragement of, of community and the body of Christ. But I know how easy it is for our minds to be so distracted by regret, by shame, by condemnation, by fear and confusion. And so I ask Holy Spirit as a great counselor that you would come into this place, that every one of our hearts and minds would be invaded by who you are and that no weapon formed against us will be able to prosper. I pray peace that transcends understanding to guard every heart and mind in this place so that we can get everything that we need from you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. We are in a new decade. We didn't just start a new year. We started a new decade. How many of you guys remember Y2K? How many of y'all remember that? You don't remember how everybody was freaking out about that? Like leading up to 2000s, like, man, the computers are just not ready for the date to change and everything's going to crash and we're not going to have water and electricity and air. Like it's all going to go away. And, and I remember, like I was 19 and a college student, and I remember just people were freaking out about this. But here's the thing, like, I, I wasn't really that worried about it because I kind of grew up like a prepper, okay? I don't know if any of y'all can relate to this, but like some of y'all, you'll watch that TV show and you, you watch it because you think those people are crazy. I watch it and I'm like, yeah, they seem pretty normal to me uh, because that's just the kind of the way I grew up. Like we were always just ready for everything. So Y2K came around, I'm like, yeah, it's, this ain't gonna be too different. If, like we're without electricity and water. Like I spent some time growing up without electricity and water, so it's no big deal. But, but the funny thing was New Year's Day, we were with some friends in Conway 
And early that morning, the electricity went out all over the city. I'm like, they got it wrong. It's 20 years late, but it, now it's happening. But the first thought that came to my mind was this. We have the wrong vehicle with this because in my car, in my trunk, I have everything that we would ever need to survive. Like, uh, like you want me on your zombie apocalypse team. I'm just telling you right now. Like, I got to go back in there. I'm ready to go rock and roll. But we were in Conway, and we had the minivan. I'm like, we all going to die. We don't got anything in the minivan we need. You know, we're in trouble. So I'm fixing that. We're going to have everything in the minivan we need, too. But, but for me, it, how many of y'all, it's just really important to you that you feel prepared for things. Anybody in the house? Like, it, it's important to me. Like, I, I just, I, I, I think a lot of it is because... Uh, there were so many times in my life where I felt like I didn't have control. And so now as an adult, like I, I like feeling like I have some control over my situation. And one of the ways that I do that is by being prepared. I, I don't necessarily always care for big surprises in my life. Like I don't like people like, let me know about something last minute. I'm like, oh, I, I don't like that. I like to be prepared. The reason why we do what we do at the beginning of the year as a church and spend some time in prayer and fasting is because we understand how important it is to be prepared for anything that God has in store for us. What I've learned over the course of my life is there are situations and circumstances. It doesn't matter how well prepared you are physically, emotionally, socially. You could have all the money and resources in the world and it won't help you if you're not spiritually prepared first. I just find that, that when everything else fails, when everything else is stripped away, if I can't default to what the Spirit of God is still speaking in truth in spite of the, the apparent situation and circumstance I'm dealing with, if I can't find that place of peace, if I can't find that place of joy, I'm in trouble. But the truth is this, if you're not intentional about getting your spirit, your soul prepared for everything that God has, it just isn't going to happen on its own. It doesn't happen on accident. This is something that you have to be intentional about. And so that's what we're doing. Because we understand that God has big stuff in store for us. We also understand the enemy hates us. We understand that God has a plan. We also understand the enemy has a plan. And if we don't prepare ourselves, we won't be ready for what God wants to do to bless us. We also won't be ready for what, how the enemy wants to destroy us. So we got to spend some time being ready for this. But in order for us to be ready, we have to do some things that maybe we need to get rid of some things in our lives too. Matthew 21, 13 says this, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. So the truth is we always want to be in a season of, of prayer as a church. Uh, myself and the staff, we, that's been something we've been working very hard on. It's cultivating a culture of prayer around our church. We, we, we have people up here every day of the week praying as a church. But there are times when you have to get a little more intentional and specific about how you pray. And that's what this next week is going to be about for us as a church but we're gonna have to probably make some room for God to work if we're gonna be able to hear from him the way that we need to hear from him. And John 1.23 says, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. And this is, this is a prophecy from Isaiah, but, but I think that that is, that is what God is saying right now, here today to us is, hey, I wanna come and I wanna move in your life and I want to speak to you even this next week. And I want to do some amazing things in your life and through you in this next year. But I can't do it if there's not room for me. 
and I am not a bully, and I won't force my way into something. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He has to be invited, but he also has to be invited into a place that is prepared for him. We're the only ones. You're the only one. We have to take personal responsibility. You're the only one that can prepare yourself for whatever God has for you. And we just want to facilitate that as a church. How many of y'all know that a lot of us, we have garages, but how many of you actually use your garage for what the garage is intended for? Okay, uh, a lot of times my garage doesn't wind up becoming a garage for my car, it becomes a storage unit for all my extra stuff. And so every once in a while what happens is, and spring's coming up, so spring cleaning, all that, and I like all that because and I, like, I like, when we know we gotta clear our garage, you know it's getting ready for a garage sale. You gotta have a garage sale. I love garage sales. There's just something so freeing and, and, and empowering about other people paying me to haul my junk off. Like, I like that. That's just, so, it shouldn't even be fair, but it works. It's awesome. And so, so you have a garage sale, but you know if you're gonna get rid of some stuff in your garage, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta pull everything out of your garage. You gotta identify these are the things that, that, that we're gonna get rid of that we can sell. Nobody should be buying that. We should throw that away or there might be some stuff that you donate and then you, once you figure all that out, you identify the things. These are the things that are most important. They're gonna go back in the garage but they can't just go back in the garage anyway. They need to go back in a specific place and a specific purpose and that's what this week is about. Let's identify everything that is in our soul that does not need to be there and let's get rid of it. And that what should be there, let's put it there, but let's be intentional. Let's be specific about where it goes, like with your time and how you spend time with God, being intentional with those things. How many of you like to be first? Anybody like to be first in the room? Okay, so everyone else likes being second. Okay, that's cool. I don't, I don't believe you, not for a second. I have, we have Hogs fans in the room. You've been dreaming about being first for decades, okay? All right, so I, 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 I've never heard anybody like, it's just my goal in life to be second. You know, I've never heard anybody say that. A lot, we want to be first, whether that's, you know, if you don't want to be first, you want your kids to be first. I've seen some of you at a four-year-old t-ball game. You go nuts, yelling and screaming at people, all that kind of stuff, because you like to be first. You're playing a board game with your friends. You want to be first. Or let's just say, for example, there's a card game that your wife usually beats you at, but over the course of the Christmas break and New Year's, you play that card game seven times and beat her seven times in a row. Something like that, like, just for example, You always win at it. Let me bask in this for a second, please. We like to be first. God loves to be first in your life. Why does he want to be first? Because he has this overblown ego? No, because when he gets the glory, it's what is best for you. Because when God gets all the glory for everything that happens in your life, he pours his blessing out on you. He pours his presence out on you but he wants to be first. In the Old Testament, they would bring the firstborn of their flock and present it before the Lord, and God would bless the rest of their flock. Throughout the word, they would bring the first 10% of their crops to the Lord so that God would bless the rest of their crops. We give the first 10% of our income so that God can bless the rest of it. God wants to be first. Whatever you put God first in in your life, he will bless. 
If you put God first at the beginning of your day, you're gonna, your day is going to be way more blessed, I promise you. You put God first in your marriage, I promise you, your marriage is going to be blessed. You put God first when it comes to raising your kids, I promise you, your kids are going to turn out okay. If you put God first in any area of your life, God will take care of the rest, but he wants to be first. He wants to be first in your dreams. He wants to be first in your passions, your purpose, your career. He wants to be first in all those things because when God is first, you get hooked up and it's a great place to live. We want to put God first this year. As a church, we're going to do it. That's what this week is about. God, we just want you to be first. In Colossians 1.18, it says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So from beginning to end, so he is first in everything. God wants to be first. So I want to talk about fasting because some of us, you may be a new believer. You don't have any concept of fasting. And so even right now, your only concept of fasting is, I mean, just no eating at all. And already you're like, I picked the wrong church <laughs> because you're like, because you don't want to not eat. Uh, some of you, you have different concepts of fasting, but they're, they're the wrong concepts. Uh, some of you, you've been a believer your whole life, but you've never had an opportunity or you've never taken opportunity, you've never truly understood what fasting means. So I want to talk through some thoughts about fasting. First of all, fasting is intimidating. Fasting is intimidating. In Matthew 6, 16, Jesus said, and when you fast. Everybody say when. Okay, so it doesn't say like, if you ever fast, like if you, if you like it, if you feel good about it. What Jesus is suggesting is that there's going to be times that believers fast. So it, it wasn't a matter of if, it was more of a matter of when. When you fast, when you fast, it's assuming the practicing Christians would do this at some point or another. But it is so hard in our culture because we have a culture of immediate gratification and pleasure. So it seems really crazy to withhold something that we love. And I love food very much. I love food. We all do. When something good happens in our life, we celebrate with food. When we're depressed, we console ourselves with food. It's a big part of who we are. So it's intimidating when it seems like God might be asking us to give up something that we like so much. For me, it's, I can tell you how much I love food because leading up to a fast, like I knew this next week was coming. So man, I've been like, I've been carb loading the whole time. I've just been like raiding the pantry. Like I'm eating everything I can. I ate more sugar and candy and junk over the last three days, not just because of the break, because the fast is coming. And I'm like, I don't know, I just don't want to shrivel up and blow away, you know, which never happens. But, but let's just be honest, like, in our culture, I think we can all go for a little bit without some food, all right? And, and live off the land a little bit, if you know what I mean. Like, but, but these are intimidating things. Sometimes you can just feel nervous because you're like, I don't know, what should I go without? Like, can I even do this? Can I die? <laughs> you won't. What if I don't get anything out of it? Oh, what if I don't have any energy? 
I get it. And if you've never fasted before, it, it can be intimidating. I'm going to hopefully address that intimidation so it doesn't feel nearly as intimidating. But it is. I think there's a part of it, though, that it's good because there should be some amount of you that's just cause you to slow down and say, this is different from anything that our culture does. That's why it's so powerful. Because it is saying this, I love bacon cheeseburgers with extra bacon. But I love the presence of God. And I just want you more. I want you more. But it, it will mean sacrificing something you normally just have in your everyday life. Many years ago when we first uh, became a church and we, we started doing prayer and fasting from the very beginning. We would dedicate the beginning of every year, but we, we've done different times. Like uh, we used to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. There's some churches that do 40 days. We do seven. Come on, we get it all done in seven days. You guys can be thankful you're at this church. But, but what we used to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. I remember at, at the end of one of those day, uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting, this, this young guy came up to Pastor Rick at the end of service. He said, Pastor Rick, I just wanna let you know that I, I've been fasting weed for 21 days. Pastor Rick, man, that is so awesome. Congratulations. And the guy's like, yeah, thank God that's over with. <laughs> so, there's, there's a good chance he went back to smoking the marijuana. Fasting is an invitation, not a requirement. It's not a requirement. A little over a month ago, at a, at a different campus, there were a couple of ladies who were having a conversation and, and one of the pastor's kids, uh, about the same age as my kids, not this campus, different campus, uh, but one of the pastor's kids overheard this conversation. These ladies talking and one of the ladies like, I, I've got 10 to 15 pounds to lose and I need to lose it right now. And this kid overheard and he stepped right up and he's like, oh, don't worry about it. In, in a little over a month, my daddy's gonna make everybody fast and you'll lose it then, don't worry about it. <laughs> Like, don't stress about it. But the truth is this, I'm not making you fast. God can't make you fast. Nobody can make you fast. And by the way, God's not gonna be mad at you if you don't fast. You're not a sinner if you don't fast. You're not gonna go to hell if you don't fast. I know plenty of amazing believers, strong men and women of God that have never fasted. I'm just not one of them. I've needed this in my life in a major way, but it is an invitation, not something that anyone can make you do. It's just, God is just giving us this opportunity. I will say that historically speaking, Christians, this has been a part of their rhythm of life. Even in our country, over the course of the history of our country, there's been multiple presidents that have called the whole nation to times of fasting. And it was like, accepted. During the Civil War, there were three different times that Abraham Lincoln called the entire nation to what he called a day of humiliation and fasting and prayer for the nation. It's just not something that we've held on to very well and, and doesn't exist as much in our culture now. But fasting is actually mentioned more times in the Bible than even water baptism. 
It's still not a commandment, though. It's just an invitation. And what's the invitation? Psalm 34, 18 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Or what Jesus said in John 4, 34, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me. That's the invitation. The invitation is, can you understand what real nourishment actually is? It comes from God. Fasting is for the weak, not the strong. Most of us think, well, I'm not even strong enough to fast. I'm not spiritual enough to fast. But most of the time in the Bible, people didn't fast because they were strong. They fasted because they needed God. They were weak. That's why they fasted. It wasn't out of spiritual strength. It was to gain spiritual strength. It's like the gym. You don't go and work out at the gym because you're strong. You go and work out at the gym because you're trying to get strong. The guys that go to the gym because they're strong, they want to show everybody that they're strong. Nobody likes those people. All right, but most of us, we go to the gym to try to get stronger because we got to get them gains. You know what I'm talking about? It's the same thing with fasting. We recognize I'm not strong enough. I'm weak. I need more of God. And 2 Corinthians 12, 10 says this, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why? Because that's when God's grace shows up. The word says that his power is made perfect in your weakness. So if you feel like, man, I'm just, I don't know, like, I don't, I haven't been a Christian very long, or I'm just not, I'm not doing good spiritually right now, I'm not just very spiritually strong, I just don't know. You're a perfect candidate to fast. Because when you're able to admit you're weak, God can show up and do something strong. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline, which just means it requires a decision, a commitment. You can't delegate this to somebody. I wish I could do that. Like, hey, Cody, would you mind fasting on my behalf for this next week? <laughs> I'll eat all the food you're not doing for you. <laughs> but you can't. And I also would say this. I believe that God's grace has been with our church for a lot of different reasons over the history of our church. I believe that God's hand has been with us and he's helped us do some amazing things. I think it's for several reasons. I think one of the reasons is we're kingdom-minded people and we pray for the body of Christ in our services. But I also know it's because of the time that we're getting ready to spend over the next week. But I also want to let you know that God never intended for you to ride the curtails of what's happening at this church to get your blessing. God has his own blessing for you. And he wants you to go get your blessing. But you can't get it unless you make the personal decision to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to make the decision. There's other spiritual disciplines like prayer, meditation, solitude, and reading the scripture. And even the Sabbath is a spiritual discipline. But here's the thing. When you read through that list, none of them seem like things we necessarily want to do. That's why they're disciplines. That's why we are called disciples. Because... The things that it takes to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, they take discipline. You make a decision, you make a commitment, and you, you follow in those things. But we also can remember that discipline always leads to delight in God's presence. And there's nothing like that. If we only did what we desired, man, we would be in big trouble. 
this is making a decision. I'm going to do something I don't necessarily want to do. But I, but I do want to do it if it makes me stronger in Him. Fasting is focusing more on God. It's, fast, it's focusing more on God. It's just making room. It's creating space for Him so He can fill us up. Saying no to our physical bodies, saying no to our flesh so we can get more of His Spirit. So our spirit man can be strengthened. But it's, it's intentionally not consuming something we normally consume so that we can consume more of him. I read about this orphanage in, in India that the staff and all the kids of this orphanage, every Friday they fast, a full food fast, every Friday. They call it the day of feasting on Jesus. I love that. You know what they pray for? They pray for the church in America. Which is pretty humbling. But I love that phrase, feasting on Jesus. <laughs> Man, that, that's the opportunity that we have. It's just focusing on who he is. But it's very important, even though that it's a discipline, that you don't just make it just a discipline and not let your heart stay in it. Your heart has to stay in it. If your heart doesn't stay in it, then it just becomes a habit without heart. And that is not what God intended for it to be. When it becomes that, it just becomes religious. And I have, I've, had fasting, I've had times of fasting when I just went through the motions, but I wasn't intentional about the intimacy that I needed to have with God during it. And it was just, I just did it to, to do it. And it's miserable. Like, why would you do that? But it does create a religious spirit if you're not careful. Jesus actually addressed this in the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so that people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward that they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Translation, don't go around telling everyone, making it obvious what you're fasting, that you are fasting, looking miserable. Like, don't go to work and be like, hey, Billy, hey, do I look a little tired and weak? It's because I'm fasting. My church made me do it. Because I go to church, Billy. Please don't do that. Now, we are fasting corporately, okay, but this is a private decision. And I would encourage you, just make sure that you don't do anything that starts drawing attention to you, but allows you to give all your attention to him. Make your focus him. There's a lot of things this is not about. One of the things it's not about is about losing weight, okay? That can be a byproduct of the whole deal. But it is not the main idea. It's also not about trying to be more spiritual than other people. That's what the religious leaders were doing. They wanted to try to show everybody they were more spiritual. Also, fasting is for a breakthrough. It's for a breakthrough. Often in the Bible, people were fasting before a major move of God. Like they needed a victory, they needed a miracle. They needed an answer to prayer. Moses fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. The Israelites fasted before 
a miraculous victory in war. Daniel fasted before he received advice from God. Nehemiah fasted before he rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem. Jesus fasted before he was tempted by the enemy. Isaiah 58, 6 says this, Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Some of you, you need some yokes broken in your life. You need some burdens broken in your life. You need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough. You've done everything that you can do. You, you, you've, you've prayed. You've, you've Googled every self-help tip that you can possibly look at. You've got your mama praying, your daddy praying. You've got your mama's prayer chain and her church praying for you. you. You feel like you've done everything that you can do, but nothing is happening. Fasting can be the thing that facilitates breakthrough in your life. I've seen that in my life. Maybe you need healing in your body. You need guidance in a relationship. Maybe you know that God is calling you to do something, but you just need clarity on when and what it needs to look like. Or you know that God's calling you to do something and you're gripped with fear. Well, fasting can help break that chain of fear. Maybe you need a breakthrough because you're addicted to something. You love the Lord, but you're still caught in that addiction. Or maybe you have a habitual sin, maybe a secret sin. You've never been able to kick it. I'm just telling you, fasting, it can be your breakthrough. There's no guarantee. But what I've seen is when I fast and I'm making that kind of decision and sacrifice to get more of God and I'm intentional with it, the presence of God changes things, heals things, gives breakthroughs. Ezra 8.23 says this, So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. I believe that God's going to give some of you an answer to your prayer this week, if you're willing. So I want to give you some practical things. How do you get ready for a fast? First of all, you got to set an objective. Like, why are you fasting? Do you need something from God? Maybe it's just about your spiritual life getting stronger. I would encourage you to write it down. We've got these prayer cards that are around the sanctuary. I encourage you to take one of those prayer cards. Get before the Lord. You might even feel the Holy Spirit starting to reveal some, some things to you even now. Like here's, here's going to be my focus. These are going to be the things that I'm going to be seeking God about. And I encourage you to write those things down. Write them down and then hold on to these. I'd also encourage you to make your commitment. Like what's your fast going to look like? Starts tomorrow, I would highly encourage you to do some sort of food fast. I'd also encourage you, in addition to some sort of food fast, to get rid of some noise in your life. I'm going to be off of Facebook. Praise God. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Um, but I just know, how many of y'all know how easy it is to get on Facebook before you know you've been doing this for way too long? It may be other technology. It may be video games. I don't know what it is, but, but there may be some technology in your life that you need to just get rid of for the week. Put it aside. None of our sports teams are doing any good, so we don't need to worry about that. But 
if there's something maybe you could get around. Some types of fast when it comes to, to more specifically around food fast. There's a full fast, which means no food, just water. Look, these are some of the most amazing fasts that you can do, but I will say they're very difficult to do if you have to maintain your normal schedule. Like, you know, if you, if you, have, if you have to do any kind of physical activity around your job, it's, it's going to be difficult. So, but maybe you're going to have some downtime. I don't know what your job looks like, your work looks like, but if you have some time where you know you're not going to have to expend a lot of energy, I would strongly encourage you, if you can't do it this time, do it sometime. But a full water fast when you're just drinking water, I'm telling you, it is, honestly, <laughs> it sucks for the first two days. <laughs> it's hard. But then as you just detox physically, emotionally, spiritually, golly, the filter, you hear God pretty clearly. But, but you may not be able to do that. I would encourage you, if you're going to do a, a full food fast for any amount of time, you may want to check with your doctor, make sure that it's, you're in a healthy place to do that. Juice fast, it means just no food. Juice or shakes, I've done these many times because you just you get enough nutrients so you can keep operating, but, but, you, but you're not getting to eat a steak. Uh, I, 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 I do know somebody who actually blended some queso and chips one time. Uh, that is not a juice and shake fast, okay? Just because you can blend it in a blender, don't make it a shake, okay? Just so you know. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, it does. <laughs> it's like, I had a ribeye last year. Uh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> Maybe a Jewish fast. Uh, this is no, uh, technically, it's just no eating during daylight. Some of you are like, that's cool. I get up before <laughs> it's light outside anyway. But it's actually just one meal a day, and it's in the evening. That's a Jewish fast, uh, which, which is a great option. There's also a Daniel fast, which is only fruits, vegetables, and nuts. I highly recommend this one. If you, if you're first time you're fasting, this is just, it's eating specific foods, but it's not eating most of the foods you normally eat. Uh, it's, in, it's very healthy, um, but it, but it's also difficult. It's hard, um, but that's a great option. Uh, just a partial fast. You know, there may, there may be something, maybe you have a really strict diet. You have to have certain things or it would be unhealthy for you. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what it would be, but you, maybe you have to have low carb or, no sugar, or you have to have sugar, um, but, but add something, a partial fast, like no coffee. <laughs> I'm just, uh... <sighs> That's a hard one. Let's just let me tell you that right now. You never know how much caf no caffeine or no coffee affects you until you don't have it, and then all of a sudden, everybody that you love loves you less. Partial fast. Just getting rid of something. Just getting rid of something. I, I, look, the other thing is, I know some of you, maybe you struggled with eating disorders in the past. The last thing we want is the enemy to use this to worm his way back in. You know you. Don't do something that's going to compromise your health or compromise your spirit. But just ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to get rid of so I can get more of you? And then prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Now, practically, I'd encourage you, if you know you're going to do a specific fast, go to the grocery store and get everything you need. Uh, be prepared for that because at one point or another, you don't want to run out of the particular thing that you're using for your fast and not have anymore because you're still going to have a bunch of food in your pantry and it's going to be tempting. Have plenty of whatever you're going to be using. If that's a Daniel fast, all the fruits and nuts and all that kind of stuff that you need, or if it's a juice fast, have all the stuff that you need. Prepare yourself that way. But what I'm saying is prepare yourself spiritually. Open yourself up. Ask the Lord. Pray. Meditate. 
read the word, worship. When you, when you fast, you open yourself up spiritually. Meaning you can open yourself up to the things of God, but if you're not very careful, you can also open yourself up to attack from the enemy. So prepare yourself with making sure that your focus is on the things of God. Write down goals. Write down dreams. Write down things to celebrate. Write down things you need to petition God about. Why are we doing all this? Why is this so important? In Matthew 6, it says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I don't know about you. I want all the things. I want it to come from God's blessing, not just from my ability. If we're not intentional, if we're not careful, we can just keep working really hard and be frustrated and stressed, full of anxiousness and fear and doubt. God doesn't want you to live that way. I don't know what this year is going to hold for you. I do know this. God wants to walk with you through it all. We have an opportunity this week to make sure that we know what his voice sounds like. We experience his peace. We experience his joy so that we can continue to walk through that. Amen? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today, I think there's a chance that some of you have never put God first. Now, some of you, you're realizing, man, I just haven't been putting God first lately. Or maybe I just didn't do a great job of that this last year. But there's some of you, it's just never even been something that you've considered. You've never said, God, I want you to have my life. I want to surrender to you. Some of you have never accepted the free gift of salvation through the price that Jesus paid on the cross. Maybe you did at one point or another, but you realize you just have definitely not had him on the throne of your heart. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to him today. Come back to him. If you're in that place, I just want to let you know there's no better way to start any season, but especially to start a new year than with a new life in Christ. Some of you, maybe you've been around church for a really long time, but if you're really honest, you've never had confidence that you're saved. Or maybe you've been around church for a long time, but you've never had a genuine relationship with God. Just wanna give you an opportunity. And here in a second, I'm going to ask you just to be willing to, to confess, to demonstrate that you need him, that you don't have him, that you need a relationship with him. And the way I'm going to ask you to demonstrate that is, is no one else is going to be looking around and I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. And you raising your hand doesn't get you saved, but I found in my life when I make an act of my free will and I physically do something, Man, it just helps usher in God's grace. And if you're here today, and I'm, I'm gonna say a prayer. It's, it's, a, it's a simple prayer, but if you wanna be included in this prayer and say this prayer with me right there in your chair, nobody looking around, 
I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Be just willing to admit, I need Jesus. I'm away from him. Got it. Thank you, brother. Thanks for being bold, man. Respect that. Got you back here. Thank you, guys. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus. I'm away from him. I'm ready to surrender my whole life to him. I need to come back to him. Got it. Thanks, bro. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. So proud of you guys. God's even way more proud of you. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. Anybody else? Okay, got it. I'm away from Jesus. I'm ready to surrender my life to him. Okay. The word says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, I got you, bro. I saw you. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you can be saved. So I would strongly encourage you to go public with this decision as soon as you can. I encourage you to tell somebody as soon as the service is over. I'd strongly encourage you next week, we're gonna have water baptism. That's a great way to go public with your faith through water baptism. But right there, right there in your chair, let's just talk to God. You don't have to say this super loud, loud enough for your own ears to hear, just from your heart. Just say this, say, God, here's my life. I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. But I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I, th I thank you, Jesus, for that price. And I ask for your forgiveness. I thank you, you that you defeated my sin and you defeated death when you rose from the grave. And right now I surrender my life to you because I know that I can't do it by myself. Now I'm not interested and in, I, I invite you to be the Lord of my life. Come and have control. I need your help, God. I wanna understand your word. I wanna understand your plan and purpose. So speak to me. Speak to me by your spirit. Help me to, to find other people that I can be in community with, that can support me, encourage me, challenge me. Here's my life. I give it to you. Thank you for loving me, for forgiving me, for giving me a new life in you. I love you. Father, I pray you would help us. I have so much anticipation in my heart, God, for what you want to do. God, I'm going to prepare myself. I want, I want to make room for everything. I don't want the same year. Last year was great, but I just don't want the same year again. I want everything that you have for me. That's what we want as a church. And I just pray that you challenge, encourage every person in this place by your spirit, that they take a step, whatever that is, God. It doesn't matter necessarily what it is that they get rid of, God. But as they surrender it to you, as they sacrifice it to you, Thank you, God, that you are faithful to answer prayer, to give the breakthrough. Thank you for how you're going to move this next week. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We had several people raise their hand to give their life to Jesus. Let's give him some praise. We welcome you. We're proud of you. We love you.